0: SEC, 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 SEC. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Here is your big, ball, beautiful host, RP3.
1: Good morning, and welcome from Atlanta, inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. I'm your host Raymond Parts the Third, better known as RP3. It's six o'clock your time, seven o'clock our time. It Gets a little confusing when you make the road trip over here, but we are set up, ready to go for four jam-packed days of coverage, wall-to-wall coverage, as we broadcast live from inside. The College Football Hall of Fame. I'll be handling duties in the morning from six to nine. And then, of course, the man himself, Mr. Miguez. Half of the M&M boys, that's right, our own very Roger, our own version of Roger Marish and Mickey Mantle, will be here in the afternoons from four to six. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. They're still setting things up. Obviously, we're here on Radio Row. If you're catching us on the simulcast, there on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, you will notice a large display behind me. There's nothing but displays here because Radio Row is on the second floor of the College Football Hall of Fame. First floor below us, the main media area, lots of television stuff. And then Radio Row is wrapped around the great displays up here on the second floor of the College Football Hall of Fame, which, of course, is right next to the Omni Hotel in downtown Atlanta, Olympic Park, Uh, uh, Olympic Park is right across the street, the Coca-Cola Museum, we're in the heart of downtown Atlanta. Got a great show lined up for you today. Jeff Palermo will be joining us at 7.30 this morning as he typically does every Monday. Our friend from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio get his thoughts on what could be going down today and what he anticipates us hearing from, of course, Brian Kelly and the LSU stars, including former STM Cougar Jack Besh. He is he will be here in attendance. We'll talk to Jeff Flermo at seven thirty. At eight o'clock, our friend Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast. First half of the season is now in the books. That's a done deal. All Star break is here. Home Run Derby is actually tonight, so we'll recap the first half. We'll look what the Strohs have done extremely well. What do they still need to work on? We'll talk about their draft and how they attacked it. That'll be coming up at 8.02 Central Time when we talk with Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. And, of course, At 8.30, our first live-in guest here from Radio Row, he typically joins us every Wednesday for Hold That Tiger, but our guy, we had to bump him up a few days, Ron Higgins, the mad dog himself, the legendary columnist from Tiger Details, will be here. He'll be talking SEC media days and LSU as well. So that's how we're going to kick off things here in Atlanta. Of course, just because I'm here in the ATL does not mean I don't want to hear from you back there in southwest Louisiana. You know the number. It's 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Give us a call. You want to talk about anything. You want to talk about the Astros. You want to talk about SEC Media Days. Does not matter. Heck, if you want to talk about the Open Championship, and why wouldn't you? Because it was sensational. You can give us a call. Love to hear from you. Just make sure you're nice to the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five names. Hannah good morning how are you are you already missing me since it's only been a few days
2: well i mean yeah i mean i'm sitting on the other side of this black dark room because no one's in there <laughs> but uh i'm gonna say uh 14 in a row but that's all i got sorry.
1: oh it it took us approximately seven minutes into today's show for her to brag about her seattle mariners winning 14 in a row a hottest team in baseball you should be happy about that and it feels like they're finally turning things around and finally learning how to win and being great with winning, if you will. But let's start off with Major League Baseball. And sorry, Hannah, it's not your Seattle Mariners, but we'll kind of get to them later because two huge series for the Astros are coming up against the Mariners after the All-Star break. And the Strohs headed to the break, unfortunately, on a downturn with a loss yesterday That really should have never happened. This was a game that they were complete control in, and they just let get away from them, which is kind of stunning because this was a a game they were in complete control. Jeremy Pena, once again, magnificent. I know he's not going to win rookie of the year, but he definitely is going to be placed on some all-rookie teams for sure. And he comes up big for them yesterday, and they hold a comfortable lead. Yet, they found a way to lose <laughs> to the athletics of all teams. Once again, 5 nothing win on Saturday. The Astros look to head into the All-Star break on a high note. They were looking to wrap up their final series before the Midsummer Classic by beating the Oakland Athletics. But the A's, the worst team in baseball, had other ideas. The Strohs take the early lead. Kyle Tucker who is in the all-star game, deservingly so, his first trip to that. And he'll be out there playing in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. He got a two-out home run that went well over 400 feet over the right field wall. And then the two teams combined just for four hits, two by each, over the next three and a half innings. Tucker and Yuli Gurriel were the ones who recorded the hits for Houston while Andres and Pinder were the batters who got the hits for Oakland. And bottom of the fifth, the Astros actually extended their lead. Jose Altuve, who is going to miss the All-Star game, but did play yesterday for the Strohs, so his contusion was not that big of a deal. He played over the weekend, but he's going to skip the All-Star game. And he joins Jordan Alvarez, Justin Verlander, as Astros stars not playing in the Midsummer Classic, which is a discussion we'll have for another day. Jeremy Pena... After Altuve reaches on an infield single to the shortstop, beats it out, Pena brings it home with a blast into left field. That gives the Astros a 3-0 lead. And you thought, man, fifth inning, we're headed to the sixth. This is a done deal. They got a 3-0 lead. Stroves Astros are going to win this series. They're going to enter the all-star break on a high note. That's not exactly what happened. In the sixth inning, Oakland tied up the game. It started with a solo home run by uh, Roman Lorano. Sean Murphy then singled into right field with Seth Brown reaching first uh, after a hit to the pitcher. Murphy made it to the third due to a throwing error by Odorizzi. Oh, uh, errors, sloppiness. Then a double into center field allowed Murphy to score, and they just kept piling it on, piling it on. So, Athletics overcome the 3 nothing deficit to win the ballgame. 4-3, to three, they take the series. Two games to one. But now, here we are at the All-Star break. And the Astros, even though they didn't win yesterday, they're still at 59 wins, by the way. 59 is your number that you're looking for. On your bingo card, 59, 59. And it's just, 59 wins is an enormous number. It's just, it's an enormous number. And yes, people are going to be disappointed by the fact that they lost to the Oakland Athletics. Okay, great. But here's the thing. If you're the Astros, let's recap this for you. You're at the all-star break. You had Jose Altuve that had to do a assignment earlier in the season. He struggled early on. They even had to send him down to AAA, right? He played in Sugar Land for the, for the Space Cowboys. He struggled early in the season. Yuli Gurriel, who was your batting champion from a year ago, has yet to get right. He's yet to get right. He's having one of the worst careers, worst seasons of his career. So Altuve begins the season struggling. He has to be sent down to A. Yuli Gurriel is in a historic slump, which he's yet to get out of. Alex Bregman in a historic slump, which he's finally starting to kind of get out of. Still not quite where he needs to be, but at least he's not batting 218 that he was. So they started off a 500-ball club to start off the year first three weeks of the season. Altuve had to be sent down for a rehab assignment because he got banged up a little bit. Alex Bregman in a historic slump for his career. Yuli Gurriel, the last year's batting champion, in a historic slump for his career. You lose Jake Odorizzi to injury after he started pitching well, he gets sidelined. Lance McCullers Jr. still hasn't pitched, still coming back off the injury. You lose Carlos Correa in the offseason To free agency he decides to go to the Minnesota Twins and yet here you are 59 wins like like in spite of all of that this team sits on July 18th with 59 wins and you look around baseball who has more wins than the Astros would you like to know who has more wins than the Astros? Two teams. The New York Yankees are the best team in baseball this year so far with 64 wins, and the Dodgers, who are 60 and 30. That's it. That's it. Next, The next highest amount of wins, the Houston Astros. And then the Mets after them. Top three team in Major League Baseball. In spite of all those things and they still haven't got right. You're still waiting on Alex Bregman to get right. You're still waiting for Yuli Gurriel to figure it out. You're still waiting for Jake Myers to figure out how to play center field, which is a struggle. As we saw in yesterday's game, it was a mighty struggle because, well, we we saw him try to field, not great. So in spite of all those things, They're still there. They're still 59 wins. (laughs) They're still one of the best teams in baseball at the All-Star break. Which is why, and look, they have higher aspirations. You know, we know Verlander who is on a phenomenal pace. It's ridiculous how great he's been coming off of Tommy John. Yet, He's the frontrunner in a lot of ways to win the Cy Young Award. He's pitching well. The rotation is pitching well. The back end is pitching well. And you're still going to get Lance McCullers Jr. back. And you still have Brown waiting in AAA as he dominates the competition, not being able to come up because there's not a spot for him. And what's going to happen with this team if Yuli Gurriel gets it together? What if Bregman starts to go up to the next level? and play like we expect him to play. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see. Yes, disappointing end to the weekend for the Strohs. We're here at the All-Star break, but they still have 59 wins. They still, despite the Seattle Mariners, who are the hottest team in baseball, the team from the Emerald City is the hottest team in baseball. They've won 14 in a row as we get text messages every day from a certain producer. That sends us to us in a group text. Fourteen in a row, Seattle's won. They're still a full nine games behind Houston in the American League West. I mean, think about that. They're still that far out of it, but the Mariners are now in second place right now for a wild card spot. They've improved their standing, and they're only. Less than a half a game behind Tampa Bay to take the number one wild card spot in the American League. So plenty of baseball still left as we hit the Midsummer Classic. Obviously, home run derby will be tonight. The All-Star Game Tuesday. All teams will take off Wednesday. And then the Stroves will get back in action on Thursday. A doubleheader. We're going to have one of the games live for you. The game one of that doubleheader against the Yankees which is a rescheduled game they made into a doubleheader. Game one you'll hear on the game on Thursday. And then afterwards, we'll wrap up SEC Media Days with the final show of Miguez and uh, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh live from the College Football Hall of Fame. But then the second game of that doubleheader will be on our sister station news talk. But that wasn't the only news yesterday involving the Astros. Yeah, they wrapped up the first half of the season, but it was also Major League Baseball's amateur draft. LSU star gets taken extremely high. That's not uncommon. But also the Astros got their guy, and a guy that kind of fits what they like to do. We'll talk about the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft coming up next here on RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days in downtown Atlanta. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home, for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the morning show that just means more. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 Company presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar & Grill on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Oh, man, you can score yourself a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right, it's that easy. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text the word GAME to 337 283 8100. That's GAME to 337 283 8100. Once you join, you will be eligible to win a brand-new Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have tons of chances to score other great prizes, like Houston Astros tickets and more. It's the Games Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Once again, SEC Media Day coverage here for RP3 and Company is brought to you by Acadiana Bar and & Grill and Bordelon Furniture. Bordelon Furniture in Crowley, Jennings in Marksville. This month, home of a power recliner for only $699. We're here inside the College Football Hall of Fame, second floor for SEC Media Days. We'll be here all four days. We led off today's show talking about the Houston Astros. They wrapped up the first half of the season but with a series lost at home to the Oakland Athletics. Despite that, they are still at 59 wins, the third most in Major League Baseball, and they have a slew of talented guys that have yet to play to their potential. We still haven't seen Lance McCullers Jr. come back off of injury. He's going to give them another arm. We're still waiting for Yuli Gurriel to get out of his slump, and we're still waiting on Alex Bregman to really play up to his potential as well. We've yet to see that. So, still plenty from the Strohs, plus they're going to get Michael Brantley Jr. back, plus they're going to get Jordan Alvarez, so much more. Now, we know Verlander, Altuve, and Alvarez are going to be skipping the All-Star game. We know Tucker and Framer Valdez will be there to take part in the Midsummer Classic. Let's talk a little bit about possible future Astros if we can. Stroh's picked late yesterday in the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft. It took them a little while, obviously, because they're always so good. But they got their guy. And this is a player that seems to fit the mold of what the Astros like to do. They selected 28th overall in the first round. They took Drew Gilbert, the outfielder from the University of Tennessee. This guy can play now. This guy can absolutely play. High energy guy, team leader, overcame a lot of adversity with medical issues when he was a child, took to baseball, improved his numbers every single season, especially a big jump here. from last season to this past season and he fits what they typically do that's the other part of this he's a little undersized right he's a little bit on the smaller side (coughs) of things he's not a big big huge kid he's not six foot four or anything like that that said he can hit and boy can he field he can get after it roaming center field and last time i checked that the shows could use themselves another center field just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Do I think he's ready for that yet? Not yet, but he is a guy that brings a lot to the table. Remember, he was your SEC tournament MVP. Tennessee won the regular season championship and also won the tournament championship this past year. And, man, he's good. He hit 362 last year with 11 home runs. In seventy RBIs. Led them to a regular season championship. Led them to the tournament championship. Now, obviously Tennessee, you know, was the number one overall seed. They get upset by Notre Dame and their season prematurely comes to an end. But this kid's got a little bit of that Alex Bregman swagger to him. Do I think he's as good as Bregman? No. But he's got a little bit of that swag to him. He can play the outfield. He can hit. And the Stroves get themselves a guy that just – when he dropped because they made a run on high school players. And when it came to them and he just falls to them, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That's an Astros pick. Like it, it just, it's just one of those things. And they mentioned it on the broadcast was, you know, certain teams draft certain players that fit what they do. And all the guys on the panel were like, yeah, this is an Astros pick. And the Astros have been one of the best teams at drafting and developing talent. Then in the second round, the Strohs took another 21-year-old. And another 21-year-old left-hander at that. And another 21-year-old left-handed outfielder. Just like they did in the first round. They took Jacob Melton, your Pac-12 player of the year. A Golden Spikes semifinalist who's coming off a season where he batted, I don't know, let's see if this gets your attention 360, 22 doubles, and 17 home runs. So, in, in, in their first two picks, the Stros get themselves two 21 year old left handed outfielders that can field and can smash the ball. Yep. Yep. Now the Stros did well with the amateur draft. LSU. Whew, they took a hit. They took a hit because Jacob Barry goes high in the draft. He gets he gets selected in the top 10, the 6 overall pick, Jacob Barry who started his career at the University of Arizona for Jay Johnson. He transfers over to play for Jay. A little banged up this year, right? Missed some time, but still put up big numbers, the third baseman and outfielder. He goes number six overall, and he gets selected by the Miami Marlins. So you're like, hey, that's not a big deal. But then they had so many other players also get selected. Mikey Romero out of loss. Um, uh, Mikey Romero gets selected in the first round by the Boston Red Sox. He was a, an LSU commitment, part of that great class that Jay Johnson and his staff had put together. Well, this is what happens when you go and get yourself some of the best players in high school baseball. There's a danger of them actually being poached by the Major League Baseball draft, and that's exactly what happened. I saw a stat yesterday that – or last night, rather, that Vanderbilt and LSU had, like, the most commitments that it were drafted in the first round. It, 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 you know, it, it, this is what happens when you're two of the perennial powerhouses in college baseball. This is what's going to happen. The draft was also interesting, and it, it became the first time ever, ever, that four sons of former Major Leaguers went in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft. First time it ever happened. Jackson Holiday, son of Matt Holiday, went number one overall. Drew Jones, which makes me feel super old, son of Andrew Jones. I still remember when Andrew Jones was the number one, was a first-round pick by the Braves. <laughs> I remember him coming up as an 18-year-old. So Drew Jones, son of Andrew Jones, goes number two overall. Justin Crawford, son of Carl Crawford, goes number 17 overall. And Cam Collar, son of Lou Collar, goes number 18 overall. First time ever that four sons are former big leaguers go in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft. So Strohs get two guys, two big 21-year-old left-handed outfielders to add to see if they can develop and eventually bring up to the show I do wonder, it popped in my head, how much the Shriners Classic mattered in the Astros taking who they took because, obviously, Drew Gilbert played in the Shriners College Classic at Minute Maid this season. Tony Vatalo brought it up on the Major League Baseball Network broadcast and indicated it may have at least some influence in the Astros' pick because you get got to imagine, hey, you have access to these guys right there Boom. So Strohs get themselves a couple guys. Andrew Taylor has been selected by the Strohs as well. Central Michigan right-handed pitcher in round 20. Oh, Oh, Matt Miguez is here helping me out this morning. Oh, he's going to join me now. With, with the information. All right, bud, what can you tell us?
2: Right-handed pitcher, Central Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Central Michigan right-handed pitcher. That's, that's, that's what we're we'll bringing to the table. Uh, Six-foot-five, fastball touches, 94. There it is. There Went we go. Eight and four and 15 starts, 126 strikeouts, 27 walks, and 84 innings of work. Boom, boom.
1: Tigers will have to replenish a lot of these guys. There's some guys maybe in the later of the first round that they can maybe, you know, battle it out. Will NIL money now play a role in some of these guys and being able to keep these first or second round picks instead of signing with the Major League Baseball Club? They decide to stay in college. We'll find out. We'll find out. We've got to take a timeout here on RP3 and company. When we return, the Open Championship It looked like it was Rory McIlroy's, right? It looked like it was going to end the, what is it, five- or eight-year drought? I think it's an eight-year drought now for Rory without winning a major. And it looked like right there at the birthplace of golf, St. Andrews, it was going to happen. And then a man from Australia said, eh, not so fast. Watch me put on an epic display of birdie, 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 birdie. We'll talk about the Open Championship. Also, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company live from SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. Brought to you by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home, For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Want to know what happened today at the circus that is the SEC Media Days in Atlanta? Not to worry. RP3 has you covered. Here is the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, me, oh, my crawfish pie. Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball. 59 wins by the Midsummer Classic, and you can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaways. Here's the thing we only have a few more days of this. This will actually wrap up on Wednesday. So if you want to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday, later this month, July 30th, Mariners Astros, you need to go sign up for our. Rewards Club right now at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com because that's what we got for you. We're going to hook you up Saturday, July 30th, Mariners, Astros. Four tickets, tour the ballpark, and hotel accommodations. That's what we want to hook you up with, but you can only score it by becoming a member of our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astro weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Led Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Strohs, they're killing it, not only on the field, on the diamond, but also with the draft. <laughs> we heard Matt Miguez give us the, uh, that little bit of nugget of information that fell through the cracks because I went to bed, but he stayed up late to get through all the Major League Baseball draft, added a Central Michigan right-handed pitcher. What? That'll be a difference maker. Chippewa, rise up. But we're going with the baseball talk on hold. Home Run Derby is tonight, and we'll unveil our poll question of the day to you here shortly. But we need to talk about the Open Championship. Golf's fourth and final major of the season, Cameron Smith wins it over Cameron Young and Rory McIlroy, the Australian with the lovely mullet, and oversized hat, who looks like General Custer, won the Open Championship. And it looked like it was Rory McElroy's to lose, right? Eight years. It's been eight years since Rory last won a major. He has, I do believe, five on the resume. One of the world's best golfers. And it looked like it was his. He had a couple of strokes lead. He's on the course. He was playing well. Then Cameron Smith said, eh-eh. <laughs> There'll be none of that. There'll be none of that as the Australian claimed his first major title by overcoming Rory to win the Open Championship. Look, Rory was there. Eight-year drought was about to come to an end, it felt like. A celebration of golf, at the home of golf, St. Andrews. 150th edition of the Open Championship. And then Smith just went out there and stole, stole, stole it. Running off five straight birdies to start the back nine. I didn't stutter five straight birdies to start the start start the back nine birdie 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 and delivering more clutch moments at the end his eight under 64 was the lowest final round by a champion in the 30 times golf's oldest championship has been played at st. Andrews i'll say it again his eight under 64 was the lowest final round by a champion in the 30 times golf's oldest championship has been played at its most historic venue, St. Andrews. Smith won by one shot over Cameron Young, who hold a 15-foot eagle putt on the final hole to ever so briefly be tied for the lead. Rory makes that great eagle chip in on Saturday. It just felt like it was his, but credit Credit Cameron Smith for doing what he needed to do just to play out of his mind on the back nine. McIlroy couldn't make a putt early. He said afterwards his putter went cold. He couldn't hit it close enough late. His last good chance was a 15-foot birdie attempt on the road hole on number 17, which is always a scary place, and an airly miss to the left. Hard to believe. Claret Jug goes to Cameron Smith, the Australian, gets the job done. Amazing, absolutely amazing, and the drought will continue for Rory. And look, Cameron's had chances, multiple chances, and he talked about afterwards how it made it maybe even worth more Wild, it means even a little bit more to win his first major championship after so many chances in the past.
3: Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I've definitely kicked myself a couple of times over the past few years. Yeah, to do it the way I did today was pretty cool to be back and really apply pressure, keep holding parts. Yeah, it was, it was awesome.
1: And, you know, for him, he finally breaks through. He gets his first major victory. And uh, think about this. The 150th edition of the Open Championship held at St. Andrews, that's his. No one else will ever have that. No one else will ever claim, can claim to be the champion of the 150th Open Championship. He won it at the place, a a holy place for golfers, St. Andrews. And he was asked afterwards, he commented afterwards, how did it feel to, to, to get the win finally?
3: I feel like I can breathe. You know, those last four or five holes there uh, aren't aren't easy around here, especially with that wind o- in off the left. And yeah, just stuck to what I was doing and yeah, just really proud of how I how I kind of knuckled down today and yeah, managed to manage to get it done. It's amazing.
1: And what does it mean, you know, he becomes the first Australian To win the Open Championship since Greg Norman, who, you know, wasn't invited to the Open. He now runs the Live Tour. (laughs) Awkward. But he becomes the first Australian to win it since Greg Norman nearly 30 years ago. And he talked about what it means to winning the Open Championship as an Australian.
3: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I I think to win an Open Championship in itself is probably going to be a golfer's highlight in their career. To do it around St. Andrews, I think, is just unbelievable. This place is so cool. I love the golf course. I love the town, and, yeah, hopefully we can keep that, that trend going. With Every 50 years, that'd be nice, wouldn't it?
1: Cameron Smith is your winner of the Open Championship, his first major victory as he begins... Uh, just a ridiculous stretch on the back nine five straight birdies to overcome Rory McIlroy and others to win the whole thing Rory though the drought continues eight years since he's won a major championship and he was asked will you be able to get over the disappointment of coming up short in a major yet again
3: I'll be okay. It's not, you know, at the end of the day it's it's not life or death and I'll, I'll have other chances to win the Open Championship and other chances to win majors and you know it's one that I feel like I let slip away but you know there there'll be other opportunities.
1: What's interesting about Rory is this. This is happening during his prime. These are his prime years. And look, he he's been the FedEx Cup champion, he's <clears throat> been the PGA Tour Uh, player of the year during this stretch without a major championship. And, and look, majors aren't everything, but in the world of golf, that's how you kind of measure your legacy, right? We keep talking about Tiger trying to catch Jack, which I don't think he'll uh, ever be able to do, get to 18. I just don't see that being possible. And the way Rory started, five major titles to start his career, And now in the prime of his career, eight years, eight, not a single one. It's an interesting thing about his career that it just hasn't happened yet again. He's come close. And he was asked, would there be anything that he would have done differently today, unlike, say, maybe the last three days where he was in contention?
3: I mean, I I wish I had hit it a little closer with some approach shots, and I wish I had held a couple more putts. But apart from that, you know, I I missed missed an opportunity on on three. You know, I guess I had sort of half looks on six and nine. And, I mean, I just – the putter just went a little cold today compared to the last three days.
1: So, Rory ends in disappointment. And Cameron – gets the major championship will it happen for rory again yeah his game is just way too good for it not to but you thought this was his and you know he's become he's become somewhat the face of golf the face of the pga tour for sure with the live tour rising up he's become vocal about the live tour he's been vocal about being supportive of the pga tour being committed to the pga tour and you know for him not to be able to break through with a win when it looked like it was gonna be his to lose. Gonna be a bit of a big disappointment, especially with an opportunity to win there at St. Andrews like he did. Poll question of the day. What is more likely to happen to yours truly, RP3 and Miguez, the host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here in Atlanta? Having our car booted, which happened the last time I came to Atlanta. It wasn't my car, though, thankfully. <laughs> Is it sleep deprivation, lose our hotel keys, or other? That's our poll question of the day. What's more likely to happen? Mr. Miguez? The sleep deprivation's already
2: kicking in. The sleep deprivation. <laughs> And it's only Monday. <laughs> it's only but Monday. But, hey, it just means more, right? <laughs> it's only Monday. It is only it, it does only mean more. So, go vote on our poll
1: question of the day. What's more likely to happen to RP3 and Miguez in Atlanta? Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it throughout today's show. Right now, we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one here of RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Our coverage, of course, brought to you by Acadiana Ball and Bordelon Furniture. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: RP3 may be in Atlanta, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear from you. Call the Big Ball Beautiful One on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill.
1: Oh, you watch this TV specials, you listen to his podcast, now you can see comedian Burt Kreischer live in person at the Cajun Dome on September 16th, and you can do so with a simple text message. To score tickets, join the Games Text Club by texting BERT, B-E-R-T, to 337-283-8100. That's BERT to 337-283-8100. Once you become a member of the game's new text club, you will be eligible to win tickets to see Burt Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of the game's text club. Poll question of the day here on our first morning of broadcasting live from inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days is what is more likely to happen to RP3 and Miguez here in Atlanta? Things tend to go sideways when uh, the game visits the great metropolitan city of Hotlanta. Have your car booted. Sleep deprivation. Lose hotel keys or other. Right now, 45% of you say other. 33% say sleep deprivation. 22% say lose hotel keys. Don't underestimate having the car booted. When I came over for the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, the national semifinal between LSU and Clemson, the uh, gentleman that I was traveling with while we broadcast RP three and company live from the hotel and we're here for the semifinal game. Uh we went to the Waffle House that night and came out with a boot on the car because we had parked in not a legitimate parking spot. So do not underestimate the fine folks here in the city of Atlanta putting a boot on your car in a heartbeat if you're trying to get some late night Waffle House. Just to let you know. Let's get to some comments. JPK the OD says get recruited to play O line and QB for the Atlanta Falcons might be the difference between O and seventeen and one and sixteen. Oh, the the Falcon hatred, which is always always lovely. Hart says leading all other radio stations and in interviews twenty eight to three just to have them come back and sweep y'all in the end a true Atlanta tradition. I you guys never disappoint me.
4: <laughs> oh.
1: John Paul Cajun Daddy says, y'all be careful while you're there. Head on the Swivel and don't leave the young lady by herself. Have fun and tell Nick we all said hi. All good morning. Darren, number one raging Cajun fan of RP3 Company, says, getting recruited by AM. y'all some big boys.
4: <laughs>
1: what y'all's hand size. Thank you, Darren. Keep voting on the poll question of the day. We're having some fun with it. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for our number one here of RP3 and company as we're broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days, presented by Acadiana Bar and & Grill and Bordelon Furniture. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Hey.
0: the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Here is your big ball beautiful host, RP3.
1: Uh, good morning and welcome back to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two has arrived. 30 minutes from right now from the Louisiana Radio Network and co-host of Tiger Rag Radio, Jeff Palermo will be joining us talking all things Media Days in LSU. That'll be coming up half an hour from right now. Of course, we also have our poll question of the day what is more than likely to happen to yours truly and matt miguez as we're here in atlanta for the next four days is it having our car booted is it sleep deprivation is it losing our hotel keys or is it other some of y'all are getting uh creative ways are getting creative with your slander towards the atlanta falcons which is not surprising since many of you are diehard new orleans <laughs> new orleans saints fans and then, of course, some of you thinking that we're going to be recruited because Matt and I are what we like to call on the hefty side, if you will. We're big boys, if you will. So you thinking that some, of, uh, some folks may look at us as, hey, let's recruit them. Have them uh, try out in the fall to improve our offensive line chances, <laughs> which I greatly appreciate. So keep those comments coming. On the poll question of the day, leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Hour one, well, we touched on a slew of different topics. Houston Astros wrap up the first half of the season by dropping two of three to the Oakland Athletics. They led yesterday's game at Minute Maid Ballpark three to nothing, but end up letting it get away from them, losing four to three. Despite the setback to the Athletics, losing that series right before the Midsummer Classic, The Houston Astros stand at 59 wins on the season, and that is in spite of having Yuli Gurriel, last year's American League batting champion, struggle mightily. We're talking a historic slump for him. Also, Alex Bregman has experienced for the majority of the first half of the season a historic slump by his standards. The worst slump of his career, whether he was in college or since being in the big leagues. Michael Brantley Jr. has been banged up. now Alvarez has missed time. Jose Altuve's missed some time. They lost Carlos Correa in the offseason. They had to bring up another rookie, Jeremy Pena, to replace Carlos Correa. Lance McCullers Jr. still hasn't pitched. He's still coming off of injury. Yet, in spite of all this, the Strohs sit at 59 wins. They have the best rotation in baseball. They have the most depth in Major League Baseball. They have a very good bullpen. And they have a vaunted lineup. So just imagine what's gonna happen with this team if they can start turning things around, so to speak. And when I mean turning things around, I mean, what if Yuli Gurriel gets it together? What if he, What if he even starts hitting 275? Instead of what he's hitting right now. What if Alex Bregman gets up to 275? What's going to happen then? How, how much better is this team going to be? How much better is this lineup going to be for the Strohs? It's it, it's mind-blowing to think that they're not even playing up to their best right now. They're not even playing their best baseball yet. Jordan Alvarez is an MVP candidate. Jose Altuve has been playing well, but Yui Gurriel was your batting champion a year ago, and he has been, let's just be honest, awful. He's been awful. He has been a shell of himself this season. He absolutely has been. He has not been what he's supposed to be, and neither has Alex Bregman. Guriel's batting 238. He was your batting champion a year ago. Alex Bregman batting two thirty-eight. Imagine if those guys improved their average from two thirty-eight to, say, two seventy five. How much dangerous, how much better is this lineup going to be then? Kyle Tucker has been awesome. He's an all-star for the first time for a reason, deservingly so. Jose Altuve been very good. Jordan Alvarez, MVP candidate. Jeremy Pena, Rookie of the Year candidate. But they're not getting anything. Adam martin maldonado they never do because he can't hit but imagine how much better this team is going to be if yuley and bregman start playing to their potential finally for the first time this season and then we got to talk about the pitching verlander is a strong contender probably your leading candidate for the american league cy young award he's just been that good I mean, and to think about nearly two years from having his season, and it looked to be by many his career possibly, possibly derailed due to Tommy John surgery. And where does he sit right now? Oh, he's 12 and 3. <laughs> he's pitched 109 innings, he's 12 and 3. He struck out 108 hitters. ERA is 1.89. His fellow all-star, Framer Valdez, his ERA is 2.66. He's struck out 102 as well, 115 innings. He leads the Shrows in innings pitched. He's 8-4. and four. He's an all-star. Verlander is on pace to be a 20-game winner. And then you look at the rest, Urquidy, Garcia, Javier, Easy. You don't even have Lance McCullers Jr. back yet. You have the best pitcher in minor league baseball yet to be called up in Brown, who's just dominating folks down in Sugar Land, their AAA affiliate. They haven't played their best. Haven't even come close to playing their best baseball yet. And they had 59 wins. The third most in the big leagues right now. Yankees have the most at 64. Dodgers are at 60. Strohs are at 59. New York Mets are behind them at 58. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Despite not playing their best baseball, despite not being fully healthy, the Houston Astros are one of the best teams in Major League Baseball as we pause the season for a handful of days because of the mid-summer classic. Home run derby is tonight. Going to be interesting to see if pete Alonso can win it remember he'll be facing off once again against ronald acuna jr in the opening round we'll see if he can win the home run derby for a third time of course seattle mariners star superstar if you will is also in the mix young man who's more than likely going to win rookie of the year for the M's. So home run derbies tonight. All-star game is going to be tomorrow. There's going to be less Astros involved. Jose Altuve joins Jordan Alvarez and Justin Verlander as Astros stars that are going to be skipping the Midsummer Classic. They're not going to take part in it. Jordan was placed on IL. Jose, even though he played yesterday, he's going to be skipping the all-star game for rest. And Justin Verlander will be doing the same as well. Now, this makes a lot of sense. You know, for Framer Valdez and Tucker, they're going to the All-Star game for the first time. They get to experience it there at Dodger Stadium. So it's a a big deal for them. Verlander kind of been there, done that. Same thing for Altuve. And even though Jordan would probably enjoy it greatly, if you're the Astros and you're the veteran skipper, Dusty Baker, who, by the way, is managing the All-Star game, you don't really worry about it because – Winning the All-Star game is not what's important, is it? Not whatsoever. Winning another division championship, especially with Seattle Mariners breathing down your neck, winners of 14 straight, the hottest team in baseball right now as we enter the break, that's what's important. That's what's really important, okay? Not the All-Star game. All-Star game is great. It's a great amount of fun and everything like that. But that's not what what is important by any stretch of the imagination. So, home run derby tonight, all-star game on Tuesday. Then the Strohs will get back up and running on Thursday. Doubleheader at home against the New York Yankees. That's right. The pinstripers come to town. That should be an interesting doubleheader for sure. So, Strohs are going to have a few days off to kind of recharge the batteries, so to speak. We'll see how they'll do that. Obviously, the Major League Baseball amateur draft was yesterday as well, yesterday evening, last night. Texas Rangers shake up the first round. They take Kumar Rocker third overall, reunite him with his former Vanderbilt teammate from a year ago after the Baltimore Orioles open up the Major League Baseball draft by picking Jackson Holliday, son of Matt Holliday. But the Rangers take Kumar Rocker, the highly-touted pitching prospect who famously did not sign with the New York Mets last season. Rocker now joins his former Vanderbilt teammate, Jack Leiter, who was picked second overall by the Rangers last year. So the Rangers like themselves some Commodores. Drew Jones, the son of five-time All-Star Andrew Jones, went second overall on Sunday to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Rocker had been selected 10th overall last summer but the Mets ultimately did not offer a contract after some concerns with his medicals. Rather than return to Vanderbilt, Rocker made five appearances for the Tri-City Valley Cats of the Independent Frontier League, where he, not surprisingly, dominated. The Shroes get themselves a heck of a ball player in the first round of the draft yesterday as they take a guy who I thought was going to be selected higher then where he was, you know, Jacob Berry, the LSU star, he was taken number six overall by the Miami Marlins yesterday. And then a lot of prospects, a lot of commits, if you will, for LSU, for the Tigers, for Jay Johnson, who has the number one recruiting class. Well, a lot of those guys were drafted in the first round. So we'll see if they actually end up on campus. More than likely will not happen. But the Stros take Drew Gilbert. Absolute stud outfielder from the University of Tennessee, an All-American, the SEC Tournament MVP. They take him 28th overall, and that's your typical Houston Astro type of pick. That's who that is. That's exactly who that is. He's a little undersized, but that really doesn't matter. He's got some moxie. He can play. He can play defense, and he can rake. It's the perfect type of player for the Houston Astros, the type of guys that they like to take. Then they went and got themselves another 21-year-old left-handed outfielder in the second round as well because they were just like, hey, we like these guys. (laughs) It went out and got them another kid to play as well. So productive first half of the season for the Strohs, another good draft in the books for them as well. Because they have one of the best systems, farm systems out there, and they are great at developing talent. Talent, Forrest Whitley, not included. Obviously, that that would be the big omission. So <laughs> he's 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 the one glaring guy where you go, eh, that's he's no good. Of course, we'll talk more about all of all things Houston Astros. In an hour from right now with Brett Chancy, who will join us from the Locked On Astros podcast, our friend. He'll join us to break down the first half of the season for the Houston Astros and give his thoughts about the draft and give his thoughts about the surging Seattle Mariners. How much of a threat do they present to the Astros? Because if you look at the so far the start of the season, that's an even series. Overall, runs scored, how they performed, wins, losses, Mariners have given – the Astros, a ton of fits, a ton of fits so far. And they'll have to play them twice, two series coming up after the All-Star break. By the end of July, they'll be done playing the Mariners, the Astros will. That could go a long way to determining the AL West. But well, we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk a little bit more Major League Baseball. We'll also, of course, take your phone calls. The game hotline is open, 337. 337- 7060111. That's three three seven You're listening to RP3 and Company live from Radio Row at the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days. Our coverage, of course, is presented by Kitty Anna Bar Grill and Border Lawn Furniture. You're listening to the game on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: RP3 may be in Atlanta. But that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear from you. Call the big ball beautiful one on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill.
5: Oh,
1: the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. Listen up, fellas. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Mouthwatering Steaks. Made exactly how you like them. I like my medium rare, in case you were wondering. Or, you know what? While you're in there, you can also score yourself a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score those gift certificates to help out with Date Night Blues by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Check in on the poll question of the day. What is more likely to happen to RP3 and Matthew Miguez here in Atlanta for SEC Media Days? Of course, we're broadcasting live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame. We're on the second floor where majority of the exhibits are at. Down below us will be the main media area where they'll be taking the stage. Actually, I think right below us where we're positioned at here. Inside the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta, next to the Omni Hotel. What's more than likely going to happen to us? Right now, 36% of you say sleep deprivation. 29% say lose hotel keys. Eh, That's a possibility. 28% say other. And 7% say have car booted. Salty Steve has chimed in because it's Monday, which means he's allowed to be salty. I know what you're not, I know what you are not more likely to happen. C. Martin, he left for Atlanta from Erath on Friday. Unfortunately, his riding lawnmower is experiencing engine trouble, and he's been stuck on the Basin Bridge for three days. Wow, Steve. Wow. Now, Steve may be feeling good about himself because the Yankees absolutely destroyed the Red Sox over the weekend. And Boston has not beat a division opponent this year they have not won a series against an al east opponent this season how crazy is that how absolutely crazy is it the red sox are in the in the mix for a wild card but they've yet to beat a division opponent that's a bizarre stat line if i had ever seen one and of course steve is not waiting not wasting any time here on monday going ahead and getting in some shade if you will towards <laughs> poor martin from e Wrath. so keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day make sure to leave your comments on facebook and twitter just make sure you keep it clean for the kiddos right you know this is a family friendly environment no need to get crazy no need to say anything ridiculous. That's going to have you blocked. We don't want any of that. We don't need any of that. We're trying to have fun here. Ralph has chimed in on Facebook on the poll question of the day. He says, other. They will A, tick off Nick Saban with a question. B, incite a public riot when they wear their 28-3 to 3 shirts. C, cause panic when they head for the Radio Row buffet line. <laughs> this <laughs> That's my favorite comment. <laughs> And and, and who can't go back to sleep because he's so excited about us being here
2: <laughs> for media
1: days on
2: Radio Row, is now chiming in. I'm just absolutely wired because I mean this is insane. But anyways, I, I really don't appreciate the food jokes. <laughs> Bud, we're big boys. We, we are. like to eat. We are. We That's, like to. That eat. is not an incorrect statement.
1: we we, we do enjoy thoroughly
3: eating. And,
2: so you know, is it really is it really that much? And you know, one thing that I've loved about this is is, is getting to see familiar faces. Yes, like it, it's cool to interact with people that you know you see on a regular basis. You know, during football season, you haven't seen them in a couple months because obviously football season ended in January. Correct. And and now we're back together again, so it's cool. It's fun.
1: It is fun. It is fun. So we're having a blast here day one of SEC media days. The big schedule is, of course, Greg Sankey, SEC Commission will take the stage around lunchtime uh, to do his state of the conference address, field questions from the media. And then first up for TeamWise, of course, is Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. Jack Besh will be here as well. The uh, former SCM Cougar, who we've had on the show multiple times, who we know extremely well. They brought him along as part of the three players that they brought but yeah lsu will be first up so we'll have sankey addressing the media and then lsu afterwards to kick off sec media days here in atlanta at the college football hall of fame so we've talked astros we've talked open championship once again cameron smith is your winner the australian becomes the first all to win the open championship since greg norman he begins the back nine on Sunday, his final day, with five straight birdies. Five of them. Five straight birdies, which is a remarkable start to the back nine as he over, overtook, if you will, Rory McIlroy in the rest of the field to win his first major championship to ho- hoist the Claret Jug there at St. Andrews, the birthplace of golf. But baseball is at its halfway point. Midsummer Classic is going to be tomorrow night. Tuesday, home run derby is tonight. And then the Strohs will get back in action on Thursday when they have a doubleheader against the Yankees game. One of that doubleheader can be heard live right here on the game. The second game of the doubleheader will be put on News Talk, our sister station, 98.5. So you'll be able to listen to both games on Thursday as the shows get back to work. But open championship over the weekend, Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft. But while we have a few minutes, as I'm reminded that Seattle is three and one for series wins against the Astros by a certain producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. I'm also reminded, you know, we're here, kickoff college football, we're focused in on that, but training camp is right around the corner. And the Saints will be gearing up for that in less than a few weeks. The Rooks will report first and then the veterans. And by the end of the month, it will be full-on training camp. And then we're going to be a little bit more than a month away from the start of the NFL season as well. I mean, Labor Day weekend – is going to be here in no time. Labor Day weekend is going to be the start of high school football for us in Louisiana. It's also going to be the opening weekend for college football. I don't count week zero. Don't tell me about Hawaii playing games on week zero or whoever's playing. Those don't count. I I choose to ignore them because it's silly. Week zero is silly. Just open up week one. Labor Day weekend. Be done with it. That's what you should be doing. But high school football, college football, Labor Day weekend, and then the following week is NFL.
2: This man hates extra college football.
1: I hate ridiculous made-up weeks. It's it's what I I hate, Mr. Miguez. Hey,
2: Pac-12 after dark.
1: It's what? Week zero. Stop it. It's just a made-up thing. Just making (laughs) up stuff for making up stuff purposes. But, no, it's uh, – look, it feels like the summer just started and then in no time, flat – it's going to be, boom, college football season, high school football season, and the NFL will be here in, huh, in no time, really. Once again, we're broadcasting live from SEC Media Days. We're on the second floor of the College Football Hall of Fame for Radio Row. We'll be here all week, well, through Thursday. RP3 and company, yours truly. And, of course, Mr. Miguez is here for crunch time with the Miguez in the mesh. Should be a great time, should be a tremendous time for us all week long as we're going to be here broadcasting live. And once again, couldn't have done it without our sponsors. Of course, Acadiana Bar and Grill serving as one of the sponsors here for our coverage of SEC Media Days for rp 3 and company, but our... Title sponsor for all of our coverage is Bordelon Furniture in Crowley-Jennings in Marksville. And this month, they are the home of the Power Recliner. That's right. You're going to want to check this out. The Power Recliner for only $699. So if you're looking to upgrade your man cave, You need to go check out our friends over at Bordelon Furniture because they are home of the power recliner. Once again, this month, it's only $699. So go visit their locations in Crowley, Jennings, or Marksville. We got to take a timeout? We'll welcome on our first guest of today's show. That'll be coming up next. Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and co-host of Tiger Rag Radio will be joining us. You're listening to RP3 and Company live from SEC Media Day's Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame here in downtown Atlanta. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.
0: Time to head back out to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta for the morning show that just means more. Here is the SEC Media Day's edition of RP3 and Company. Presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, you can score yourself a brand new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple watch all you have to do to win is join our brand new text club simply text the word game to 337-283-8100 that's game to 337-283-8100 once you join you will be eligible to win a brand new Apple watch plus You'll have opportunities, chances, if you will, to score other great prizes like Houston Astros tickets, concert tickets, and more. It's the game's brand-new text club. You can find out more at 1037thegame.com or 104thegame.com. Woo, we're broadcasting live from Radio Row here inside the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days in downtown Atlanta. Whew. We're going to talk more about media days, of course, when Ron Higgins, the mad dog, the award-winning columnist from Tiger Details, who will join us live here in person later on today, because today we're kicking things off. Greg Sankey, obviously the commissioner, one of the most powerful men in college football, will be doing his State of the SEC address to kick things off around lunchtime. But then after that, LSU's first up, Brian Kelly and company, will be kicking off all the action here for us At sec media days to talk more about those tigers those bayou bangles if you will is our good friend the sports and news director for the louisiana radio network and co-host of tiger rag radio which you can listen to every tuesday night right here on the game our friend jeff palermo now joins us jeff good morning to you brother how are you my friend
6: oh doing well raymond how about yourself
1: doing great bud doing great all right let's start off with a little um, baseball talk because yesterday was the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft, and the LSU Tigers, like the Vanderbilt Commodores, were hit hard. Uh, How many of those guys is Jay Johnson actually going to be able to convince to come to school and not go to the show?
6: Well, I would think the first three guys that were selected last night as far as LSU commitment, Justin Crawford, Mickey Romero, and then uh, Robbie Snelling, the left-handed pitcher, Might be a little bit difficult to um, get them to come to LSU. I mean, those guys, when you look at their slot value, I mean, for each of them, it's over $2 million. So hard to imagine that those three guys will decide to come to LSU and skip um, the potential of um, playing professional baseball, especially the two guys that were drafted in the first round. The outfielder, Justin Crawford, who's the son of former major leaguer Carl Crawford and then Mickey Romero to shortstop. And once again, LSU, uh, they've had some tough luck here recently in trying to get shortstops, you know, recruiting shortstops, and then eventually trying to get them to come to LSU. Looks like they're going to lose out on another one. Um, Mr. is an interesting one. He went a little bit, uh, he went uh, a little higher than I think a lot of people projected. So now let's see what happens with him. And then the other guy, That was uh, drafted last night, who's an LSU commitment, is Tucker Tillman, a third baseman, uh, taken in the second round, 77th overall pick by the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. We'll see what happens with him. But um, I I think overall still you're looking at a a really solid uh, recruiting class for LSU, and you knew they were going to lose two or three guys, and that, based on what we saw last night, that still seems to be the case.
1: ...that they've had... Jeff, for at least a few years, and it's the same issue that Vanderbilt has as well, where you're recruiting these guys, you're you're fighting other college teams for them, and then you end up losing out on them because of Major League Baseball. So how does Jay Johnson and his staff, you know, kind of bounce back from losing maybe three or four guys that were going to be key pieces of this recruiting class?
6: Well, I think every major college baseball program deals with this. This is nothing – uh, you know, I, I don't think this is anything new. Um, this is just the, kind of the way it goes. Um, yes, the, the Major League Baseball draft is different than the NBA and the NFL because those drafts are held in the off seasons of their respective sports. Um, the, the rules are pretty much, you know, set in stone. You know, where if you're in the draft, uh, you, you can't go back and uh, play uh, college athletics. Once you're in, you're in. And so major league baseball, you got to be a little bit more flexible. And and this is just kind of goes with the uh, territory and, uh, you know, Paul Maneri always complained about uh, the the major league draft and Jay Johnson complained about it too, but this is, this is just the way it is. I, I I don't, you know, they've moved it around here a little bit lately where before you obviously the draft was kind of during that in between regionals and super regionals and I want to say last year, it, it seemed like it was a little bit later, maybe late June, right around the College World Series, I think is when they had the draft. And then this year they decided to incorporate it with the Major League Baseball All-Star break. I, I don't know what the perfect timing of the draft is. Um, I, I think what, as a college coach, I think you just go out there and keep recruiting these guys. You know, sometimes, Raymond, it's just, you know, there's breaks that go one way uh, to the other. Um You know, some of these guys that you you recruit when they're juniors, then all of a sudden they blow up as a senior and they shoot up these draft boards. And that was maybe something that you didn't really, um, you really didn't expect. And then you might have a situation where you got like an Alex Bregman kind of case where, uh, you know, Bregman was a, a highly thought of kid. And then he misses his senior season with a finger injury and, he kind of falls to LSU and turns out to be one of the best players in in program history. So it it could go either way, but I I don't know. I, I think you still as a college coach and when you're coaching in a major college baseball program, you just go out and recruit the best kids that you can. And I think you go into the thing knowing, you know what, we're going to lose two or three guys. So we got to make sure we can get enough signees as possible. And I think that's what Jay Johnson did here in his first really, full recruiting class.
1: Jacob Berry goes number six overall to the Miami Marlins. Obviously, he's gone. I mean, that's a top ten pick. He's going to be headed out the door. He gets selected. K. Doty gets selected in the second round as well. How do you like the pro prospects for both of those former Tigers? Well,
6: it'll be interesting to see where Jacob Berry plays defensively. Um, You know, I know, obviously, you have the universal DH. Um, so uh, DH is a possibility. But, I, uh, you know, I, I, think you, I think all these professional teams also want to find out if these guys can go out and play a position. I don't think they just want to um, just have, okay, you're just going to be a DH. You know, don't put your glove away. Don't worry about it. I think you're going to try to work with these guys and see if, where they could play uh, defensively. I mean, he played in third. He played at first. He played in the outfield, in, in, in the corner spots. So let's find out where he'll be able to um, play play in the field. But there's no doubt the kid could hit. He's a switch hitter, looks like a, you know, fantastic prospect and a guy that can certainly uh, play a few years in the major leagues. Uh, and, I, you know, K. Doty, I, I think, is a, just another, you know, solid type of player. Um, I don't know if I would – I mean – his game's a little bit different than I would say like a, you know, a a DJ LeMahieu, but But, you know, when you go back to, uh, you know, DJ LeMahieu, uh, you know, he was kind of picked in that he was, he was drafted by the Cubs back in 2009 in the second round. And, and, um, I, kind of feel like, you know, K Doty is that kind of a player. Um, maybe, maybe not as, he might not hit as far as the average wise, but he's certainly somebody that can be a, a really solid player. Um, you know, a lot of this now, you know, kind of comes to a, a little bit of luck. You got to be in a you know in a good system where they're developing prospects. Toronto and Miami are, are two major league organizations uh, that have shown here. You know, especially Miami in the fact that uh, that they really rely heavily on the minor leagues to you know compete every now and then. And uh, they've been able to develop some really good players over the years. And, and Toronto has a really young team as it stands now based on how well they've been able to uh, develop some of these players. So they, they're going to uh, what seem to be two good two good organizations when it comes to developing players. And now I think the key for them is to stay healthy and, um, you know, and, and hopefully they can, uh, you know, move up fairly quickly. I, I would think uh, Barry could get in the majors pretty quick just based on, his ability to put
1: the bat on the ball. We're talking with Jeff Palermo, sports and news director for the Louisiana Radio Network, also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. He joins us here on RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting live from SEC Media Days Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. Jeff, let's turn our focus to Atlanta and to the Media Days. We're going to kick things off later today with... SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. He will take the podium, give his State of the Conference address, and then after that it will be Brian Kelly and the LSU contingent kicking things off. Uh, what do you ex- expect the you know the, the theme to be from the commissioner, if, if you had to guess on it? Obviously he's going to be asked a ton about realignment and expansion and everything like that, but well, what else do you think is going to be on the docket, so to, speak, so to speak? What do you think Sankey is going to want to put the focus on?
6: Well, I think one of the things, you know, obviously the realignment um, and then you throw in the NIL and the transfer portal issues and and, and what they can do to kind of rein that in a little bit. Um, I I guess since he is one of the most powerful guys in college sports, I'm interested to hear if he kind of gives – I don't think he's going to give a hard timeline, but where are we at? Uh, I I mean, how much closer are we now to where – the, the power five school power five conferences, or maybe they end up being power four or whatever, is, however many conferences we end up with here over the next few years, based on this realignment, when do they eventually kind of break off, form their own college football league and play under those type of rules. And, uh, you know, again, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not expecting Greg Sankey to say, Hey, by 2028 expect, this is what college football will look like, but, but where are we at? You know, does he give us a a kind of a strong signal or is that, is that within five years from now, or is that 10 years from now or, or, or what? I I can't imagine uh, the way we're going, that it's, it could be sustainable um, because, you know, these, these major conferences are going to continue to keep growing. I would think, when it comes to realignment, I think he's going to say that we're fine with 16 teams right now. I don't, I don't think the league, I mean, I'm sure they're interested in Clemson and Florida state, but, and maybe North Carolina. uh, But I think it's hard to get, you know, the the way the ACC contracts are and the, the, the media rights deal that those schools are involved in, I, I don't think they can break away from there. I don't think there's any other schools that they're really interested in plucking from the big 12 or,
3: uh, you know, they're not
6: going to go out and get Arizona or Arizona state or Colorado. So I think they're kind of, they're, they're, they're set where they're at right now. It's uh, 16th, unless um, something changes with that ACC deal. And then, um, you know, I think the coaches are also going to get their opinions here on NIL and transfer portal and, How to make this a little bit where it's not so wide open? Uh, Can you get some guardrails in on there? Um, See, you know, and and in those, but in those conversations, it's uh, you know, in particular the NIL, I I think you're really kind of waiting on Congress to act on that. You know, based on those that really have studied this issue and investigated it, that probably will, that most likely is going to have to wait until. There's a new Congress in place uh, in 2023.
1: I'll get you out of here with this, brother. What do you think the message is going to be from Brian Kelly today when he takes the podium for the first time at SEC Media Days?
6: Talk about how excited he is to uh, coach this team. Um, This is, to me, when you look at LSU, I think they're one of the more harder teams to peg. Uh, just because there's certainly some talent there. You have you don't know how good they're at quarterback. Uh, I, I think it's possible that those three guys, one of them can just have a really huge season and lead you to 10 wins or at least 10 wins. And there's the possibility that they all kind of struggle and it's a bit of a disaster and the team goes 7-5. and five. I think that's a possibility too. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of the... the, the, the I've seen six and six with this team, but I, I don't, I can't imagine they go six and six. I think there's a little bit more organization with the team, a little bit more focus. Um, I, I can't foresee them going six and six, but, um, unless they get really hit with a bunch of injuries, which that's also possible. We talked about it last week, uh, Raymond, that, uh, this is a team that's not very deep in certain areas. And there's, a, there's still questions on that offensive line. Uh, it's going to be a completely different offensive line from a season ago, and how they put that unit together really will be a, a huge key for the season. But uh, I think Brian Kelly is going to talk, and as most of these, as pretty much all these coaches do at media days, he's going to be optimistic about the season. He's going to he's going to rave about certain guys, and uh, I'll be interested to hear if you he kind of mention some names, some guys that he thinks have really uh developed uh you know during fall condition or not fall conditioning summer conditioning workouts and so forth you know and there are some guys that are kind of off the radar that uh, are ready to make a you know a big impact this season you know guys like a, a sage ryan or something you know certain guys that um, you're kind of waiting for them to, to to pop or something this season that we're not really expecting right now
1: jeff appreciate you tom as always brother Appreciate it, and uh, have a great Tiger Rag Radio this, uh, this week, and we'll talk to you next Monday, bud.
6: All right, all right. Have fun in Atlanta, Randy. I appreciate, right, I appreciate it. it. That's
1: Jeff Flahermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio joining us here on RP3 and Company. We'll take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up hour number two. We'll update the poll question of the day. You're listening to RP3 and Company as we broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Day's. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. (laughs) Poll question of the day. What's more likely to happen to yours truly, RP3 and Matt Miguez while we're here in Atlanta for SEC Media Days through Thursday? Right now, leading the vote with 38% is sleep deprivation. 25% say lose our hotel keys, 24% 24 say other, while 13% say having their car booted. Uh, uh, The person I came with the last time I was in Atlanta, that's exactly what happened outside of a Waffle House. (laughs) So keep those votes coming and keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three coming up. We're going to kick it off by talking... With Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast, that's next right here on RP Three and Company as we broadcast live from the SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame on the game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. SEC!
0: SEC! SEC! The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. It's time for a special SEC Media Days edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill. Here is your big, bald, beautiful host, RP3.
1: good morning and welcome back to rp3 and company as we broadcast live from the college football hall of fame on radio row for sec media days which will kick off in a few hours from now when sec commissioner greg sankey will take to the podium and do his state of the conference address and that'll be followed of course by lsu new head coach brian kelly they will be first up of all the sec teams to go through the gauntlet That is SEC Media Days. Two hours are in the books. This is our final hour. Coming up in a half hour from right now, the Mad Dog himself. That's right. Ron Higgins, the award-winning columnist from Tiger Details, will be joining us live here on Radio Row to get his thoughts on what he expects to hear from the commissioner, LSU's new head coach, Brian Kelly, and more. So that's coming up half an hour from right now. We also have a poll question of the day for you to vote on you know, leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, of course. It's about what is more likely to happen to yours truly, RP3. And of course, Matt Miguez, host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. He'll be doing his show from 4 to 6 daily here as well, Monday through Thursday. What's more likely to happen to the duo of RP3 and Miguez here in Atlanta? Right now, 37% of you say the most, thing, the most likely thing is for us to lose our hotel keys. of you say sleep deprivation, 17% say other, while 13% say having your car booted. And as I told you before, the last time I was in Atlanta, for the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl National semifinal game, that's exactly what happened outside of a Waffle House in downtown ATL. So it can always, it can always happen. I'm just saying, it can always happen. So keep those votes coming, keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day here for RP3 and company, but right now it's time to bring on our second guest of the day. The first half of the Major League Baseball season is in the books. Midsummer Classic is here, Home Run Derby will be tonight, All-Star Game will be tomorrow night. And to give us insight on just how well the Houston Astros have done, as they sit at 59 wins, the third most in Major League Baseball. And what are some things that they need to do to improve on in the second half, and also get some thoughts on how they fared in the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft yesterday, is our friend from the Locked On Astros podcast, Brett Chancy, joins us now. Brett, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
5: Man, I'm doing great. I'm really excited the way the Astros' first two rounds, you know, ended up. The first two picks, I'd definitely give them an A+. The third pick, probably an A, a B plus, and we'll talk about that. But this Drew Gilbert kid, um, I'm excited about him. I'm, I'm looking at his grades. I'm looking at his peripherals and what he brings to a clubhouse. And I think there's a lot of potential for this kid to have, have success in, in the major leagues.
1: So let's talk about the draft, and then we'll go into the first half of the season. Let's, uh, let's talk about the draft. Uh, they have a kid, a talented kid from the University of Tennessee. Uh, we're talking the SEC tournament MVP and an All-American, and he's got some moxie to him. He's a hard worker. We know that, a leader. What do you make of the young man out of Tennessee that the Astros were able to select late in the first round?
5: Well, he was a kid that they thought was going to go probably a little bit closer to the top pick. He would have had he been 6'2 or 6'3. I think it's size. Scared a lot of people. But he's got a rating of 55 for his hits. 45 power, run 55, arm 60, field 55. This kid rates at a 50, and there's a 20 to 80 point scale that they rate all prospects. And when you rate at a 50 or higher, that's major league level, and then anything above 50 is above major league basically average. What he brings in terms of putting the team on their back, a Carlos Correa type attitude a George Springer-type spark plug, which they've missed since they've been gone. The Astros have been wildly successful without them. But when this team doesn't do well or, or they kind of struggle, people, the first thing will say is, well, we don't have a Correa or a Springer in the clubhouse. Now, while this kid won't make an impact tomorrow, when he gets to the clubhouse, he can be the one to continue this culture that they've built in Houston where players are ride or die with their team. Very loyal, and his coach had a lot of high praise for him. I mean, his his power may not be super, like, he may not be a 20, 30 home run guy, but he's five nine, and if he plays center field, you know that, that size plays well at second base. That size plays well in other parts of the field. When these players get into the Astros' system, the Astros put them at multiple positions to make them a more valuable asset to the to the um you know to the entire organization.
1: What do you make of the other twenty-one year old left-handed outfielder that they selected in the second round?
5: I love this uh-huh. Jacob Melton was an absolute gift. It was like Christmas in July with this kid. This kid has an overall rating of fifty, like um, his run speed is sixty, his power is fifty, his arm is fifty-five, fielding fifty-five. I'm shocked that he was available there. I'm shocked he didn't go in the first round. And, you know, in 2021, he hit 404 in Oregon State. He continued to slash like that Um, while he was, you know, finishing his last year there. I believe he was Pac-12 Player of the Year. He was all Pac-12. He was an all-conference player. And he just does a phenomenal job on the field. He's taller. He's a bigger kid. And so I think his tool to play well to get two solid outfielders with the outfield future being somewhat uncertain right now at the Astros. I think it's very smart on their part. Because in the draft as a team, after the first five or ten picks, you go for the best talent that's available. You don't have a guy. And so these are names that were actually tied to the club that the club was talking with, and I think they're very pleased as well.
1: Let's talk about the season so far. The the first half wraps up in disappointing fashion as they blow a three-run lead against the Oakland Athletics yesterday there at Minute Maid Ballpark as the Athletics, one of the worst teams in baseball, takes two of three. Uh, anything concerning you about that, or is it just a blip on the radar?
5: Well, when you lose to the Oakland A's at the state they're in, you would think it would be concerning. Like, I don't – see any long-term effects from this other than you look at the state of the team right now you look at the injuries you look at how tired they are you look at how much they've had to travel and I think all this stuff has kind of caught up to them I think this all-star break I kind of wish it was a full week and not just three days because when we come back for the break it's doubleheader against the Yankees but this team is built to last believe it or not I know the Mariners have won 14 games but they're not going to win the rest of their games this season. And put, it, put this into perspective. They've got a 14-game win streak, and they're still nine games behind first place. There's no way that they're going to get in front of the Astros even after they play those seven games. I mean, the Astros would have to lose out for that to happen. I don't see that happening. The Mariners have a sub-500 record against teams that are 500 or better. So when they start playing better teams, they don't do as well. So let's just kind of not freak out right now. The Astros, you know, the sky's not falling with the Astros. They're just going to have to ride through these waters. They're a little thin because of injuries, but some of these guys, they're not major injuries. They'll be back, and they will probably make some moves at the trade deadline, but I don't know how significant they will be.
1: The Mariners have won 14 straight. They're the hottest team in baseball. They're now only a half game out of the number one wild card spot in the American League, yet they're still nine games behind the Strohs in the standings, yet they have faced off multiple times already this season and the Mariners have gone toe-to-toe and it's been even across the board. Why is this such an evenly matched matchup between these two teams this season in particular?
5: Well, I think because the Mariners have this rookie that has really come on in Julio Rodriguez, he's really making a name for himself. I mean, heck, the kid's in the home run derby, and that's not a nod of respect to him. But Robbie Ray has started pitching better. Their pitchers have started, you know, holding, holding their own. And their role players, their Ty France guys, their guys that are their stars are having all star years. So, in the past, you would have, they would have pitching holes or they would have people injured or people would be performing like J.B. Crawford, guys like that. And so, all their guys are stepping up this year. I mean, the Seattle Mariners, I'm not saying I'm going to discount or discredit their competitiveness or their ability to fight for the division. I really thought it was going to be between the Mariners and the Astros from the very beginning. I was surprised how far behind they were. But I think where they are now, and then you take before the 14-game win streak, and you put them somewhere in the middle of that. I don't think they're the team that has 14 games in a row, and I also don't think they're the team that's in fourth or fifth place in the West. I believe it's clearly the Astros and Mariners division still. And the Mariners could sneak into the playoffs, but they failed to do that for quite some time, they got quite a streak going. So they're their own worst enemy when it comes to that. But the Astros won't go out and play them lightly. I promise you the Astros will play them like it's the last game of the season. So,
1: We're talking with the man who's co-host of the Locked on Astros podcast, Brett He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Well, let's talk about Alex Bregman and Yuli Gurriel. Uh, it looks like Bregman had kind of turned things around a little bit. Started hitting better, started returning to his you know former MVP candidate form. Then he cooled off a little bit. Are you concerned at all about Bregman and Gurriel for the second half of the season? Because this team has won 59 games with both of them playing mediocre baseball. If they even get to maybe 275, then you know this team is going to be nearly unstoppable. But can they get back up to hitting 275?
5: I would say Alex Bregman definitely could. I really have my doubts about Yuli Gurriel this year. I, I just don't. I, I'm just not seeing it with him. I, I don't. I don't know what it is. What is missing? You know, right now Bregman and Gurriel are hitting identical averages. Um, Bregman's OPS is 7.46. Yuli Bregman's at 7.10. I'm sorry, he's at 6.80. And slugging percentage is, oh, is pretty much a lot higher compared to Yuli. I see Bregman getting there. I just don't know. Like, every time you think these guys turn it around, like you said, they kind of cool off. And I cannot tell if it's mechanical, if it's mental. It's It's got to be something mental with him. There's, there's got to be some hitch somewhere because he hasn't been as sharp fielding this year. Bregman's had a rough year. Bregman's had a rough go at it. But if anybody can pull themselves out of a hole, it's this kid from Albuquerque that absolutely grinded at LSU for two years that I got to see in person and is the guy that was nearly the MVP in 2019. So if anybody on this team can pull themselves out of a hole, I think it would be Alex Bregman's more in the likelihood of that than Yuli Gurriel simply because of age and moxie.
1: What's the move they need to make by the trade deadline to – improve this team and put together another lengthy postseason run?
5: I really think they need to go out and get some sort of help as far as left-handers in the bullpen. I think their bullpen is fine overall. I mean, they're one of the top two relief fins in the entire league. So they don't necessarily need help there, but with Maton being somewhat pedestrian, you don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he turns it on come playoff time. You really need someone, a left-hander, but you may need that more for a World Series than you do the American League because there's not a ton of American League contenders that have a lot of left-handed batters. I believe that's more like a Dodgers or Mets thing. So I don't know how high they're going to focus on that. With Jordan being out, even though it's limited, with Michael Brantley having no timetable, with the injuries to the offensive players, I would think they would need to go out and get some sort of bat to ask. The question becomes, if you find the piece you want that fits your team, are you going to be willing to pay the price that's asked? Because with the demands of the league and the, and you have more teams in the playoffs, they are going to sell high. They're not going to give you anything for cheap. So there are some pieces out there. You know, A.J. Puck, uh, from Mole from the Athletics, Chapin, um, You've got Reynolds. You've got some bats out there. You know, people talk about Juan Soto. We joked on our trade show that we have a package for the Astros to trade for Juan Soto, but it was like everybody on the team. It was it was quite comical. So everybody have to go to our YouTube channel and check that out Tuesday night. We have a trade special premiering at 830. But there are some names out there they can get, some bats, Reynolds, guys like that, but at what cost? And How much is it going to cost them? And do they have the assets to trade? That's the big question.
1: Yeah, I find it funny that, you know, the Nationals offer Juan Soto with a 15-year deal worth over $400 million. He turns it down, yet the Astros are able to convince Jordan Alvarez, who's just as good of a player, to take a far cheaper deal. (laughs) And they're able to lock it up. But that's the difference in the franchises um, right there. Um, all right, bud, how important is this next few weeks for the Astros? Obviously, you have two against the Yankees on Thursday, the doubleheader, and then you play two series against the Mariners to wrap up the month, and then you won't play the M's again. So how important is it the next few weeks coming out of the break for the Astros?
5: Oh, I think it's really important, and I think that they probably circle it on their calendar. And, yeah, in the media they're going to say, you know, these are just games. we got to play them. It's the regular season. It's our schedule. But when you do have a team as hot as the Mariners and you know that they've given you fits in the past, you absolutely have to focus and concentrate because you got those three games between the Mariners at Seattle and then the Mariners here in Houston where you play in Oakland. So there's no rest for the weary. It's literally – I mean, there is no days off between the 21st of – July and the 31st of July they play what 12 games in those 11 days it's 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 amazing um, what they have going on and it's really important I think for them to start the second half of the season hot it will also be dependent on is Brantley back is Altuve back playing regular what's going on with Brantley does that speed up the trade process I think they should probably need to get something done sooner rather than later and not wait till August 2nd. So if they make a trade before that, maybe that gives them a shot in the arm. Maybe that gives them a little boost. You know, the team's like, yes, we're really driving for the world series, but it's important. They need to, they need to win. If they play Seattle seven of the next 10 games, I think the Astros need to win at least six of those games. If they go six and four, I'm not upset, but, they easily could go. I mean, we went 7-2 and two against both New York teams, so this team can do it.
1: As always, brother, thank you so much.
5: Enjoy the all-star break, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And, hey, I, I just want to um, say uh, hi to some old friends at Lavonia Elementary in Point Capete Paris. My stomping grounds We lived in Louisiana. I hope you guys are listening, and I hope you guys are doing well. Go Strokes.
1: That's Brett Chansey of the Locked On Astros podcast joining us here on RP3 and Company talking all things Houston Astros. Hey, we just want to take a moment out to thank our sponsors for helping making sure this gets uh, pulled off, that we get to be able to broadcast live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame here for SEC Media Days. Of course, our title sponsor is Border Furniture with locations in Crowley, Jennings, and Marksville. They have the power recliner in stock for this month it's going for a cool price of only 699 dollars you can add that to your man cave you can live it up and be able to see all your great college football action your favorite teams in a comfortable recliner who doesn't love that once again borderline furniture with locations in crowley jennings and marksville and also want to thank acadiana bar and grill for sponsoring rp3 and company here from the college football hall of fame we got to take a timeout. When we return here, we'll update the poll question of the day. Hey, you want to get your phone calls in? Now's the time to do so. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. This is RP3 and Company broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Days here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 18th, 1994. The Houston Astros tied the National League comeback record with a 15 to 12 victory over the St. Louis Cardinals. The Astros trailed 10 to nothing. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, you watched his TV specials, you listen to his podcast, and now you can see comedian Burt Kreischer live in person at the Cajun Dome on September 16th, and you can do so with a simple text message. That's right. To score tickets, join the game's brand-new text club by texting Burt to 337-283-8100. That's Burt to 337-283-8100. Once you're a member, you'll be eligible to win tickets to see Burt Kreischer live at the Cajun Dome Courtesy of the Games Text Club. Woo! Just a few minutes away from our good friend, the Mad Dog himself. That's right. Ron Higgins will be joining us live. Our first live on Radio Row guest here for SEC Media Days. We're about three minutes, four minutes away from that. But while we wait, let's update our poll question of the day. As you know, we'll be here all week for SEC Media Days, Monday through Friday. Yours truly, RP3, the big, bald, and beautiful one. And, of course, Matt Miguez, host of Crunch Time with Miguez in Mesh. But we asked you, what is more likely to happen to yours truly and Miguez here in Atlanta? Your options, having our car booted. That happened one time, one of the last times I came to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. <laughs> the person I came with had their car booted. Parked in the wrong spot at the Waffle House downtown. You know, it it happens. Sleep deprivation. Lose your hotel keys or other. Right now, 37% of you say lose hotel keys. 33% say sleep deprivation. 17% say other. And 13% say have the car booted. JPK, the OD, has commented on the Twitter. Maybe pick up a ring. You've got a better chance than this guy. And, of course, it's a gift of jerry jones score update on the leaderboard tom brady at seven but j-lo closed the gap when she picked up her six this weekend oh there it is y'all are ridiculous and the of course the falcons hate has already come through on the poll question as i expect fully from you diehard saints fans so keep it coming keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day leave them on facebook and twitter as we'll continue to be broadcasting live from here this morning for RP3 and company. And then, of course, Miguez and Mesh from 4 to 6. And today is the first day of Media Days. It's going to kick off with Greg Sankey, who's going to do his SEC State of the Conference address. And then after that, we'll be followed by Brian Kelly and LSU are going to help kick off things. And to give his thoughts on what to expect from Greg Sankey and from Brian Kelly, is going to be the Mad Dog, Ron Higgins. He's going to join us after this timeout. You're listening to RP3 and Company, broadcasting live from SEC Media Days on, Rodeo, on Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame here in downtown Atlanta. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: RP3 may be in Atlanta, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to hear from you. Call the Big Ball Beautiful One on the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to the SEC Media Days edition of RP3 Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar & Grill.
1: welcome back to rp3 and company as we broadcast live from the college football hall of fame for sec media days and man we have our third and final guest that's our first one live in person on radio row you know him because he joins us every week for the tigers midweek report here on rp3 and company but it's our good friend the award-winning columnist from tiger details ron higgins joins us here ron does this ever get old media days
4: no, it really doesn't. It's, it's kind of like, uh, well, first of all, it's uh, always fun to watch sports writers dress up, <laughs> you know, because ever since they started really, you know, the SEC network started doing this and in, in the main media room, they, when you ask a question, they'll, they'll show you. Correct. So all of a sudden sports writers figured, you know what, maybe I should not wear like the freebie golf shirt I got at that tournament last weekend for being a media guy. And I'll, and I'll put on something that looks good, you know, for a big professional. So, uh, so, obviously, you see Raymond out here and I wear sports jackets. And, honestly, the only time you see riders with sports jackets are at funerals or weddings. So
3: funerals but, or weddings. But or no, or it,
4: it, never, it never gets old. This is the 37th one. I've been to all of them. Uh, maybe one of the few people here have been to all of them. Uh, but it's, uh, it's kind it, it kind of kicks off the year. I mean, even though, you know, LSU doesn't open football practice until August 4th, it still kind of kicks off the year. and kind of gets you in that mood of, like, of thinking football. Uh, uh, I'm sure the the preseason football magazine sales pick up from here to the to end of to August now because this kind of kicks it off. And if you're watching at home on the SEC Network and stuff, you you kind of get to see all the coaches talk and whatever. So yeah, it's it it doesn't get old. Plus you uh you get to see all your friends in the business, your your writer, your uh, the ones that are left for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's great. And 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 you know. It's nice to be in the Football Hall of Fame, but uh, I think we all kind of, if it took a media vote, we prefer Alabama and Hoover. Uh, It's just something about watching all the Alabama football fans in the lobby of the Winfrey Hilton trying to get autographs. Coach (laughs) Seidman.
1: And they stand, and and, and they just uh, – the first year I went a couple years ago, I'm a big guy. You, you and I are big guys, so mm-hmm. I had my sport coat on, and I'm a big guy. So they see this big guy coming down the escalator.
4: Must be a player.
1: And, they, and they're like, oh, they must be a player or a coach. And then they realize, oh, no, that's just a media guy.
4: <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> and they're just so disappointed. Listen, listen. So just so disappointed. When I covered the Olympics one time in Seoul, South Korea, I went out one day shopping. These Koreans thought I was Larry Bird. I went to the Nike store.
2: Larry Bird, Larry Bird, Larry Bird.
4: I'm signing autographs for an hour, you know, Larry Bird, Larry Bird. <laughs> That's the true. Uh, yeah. I like that. Bye, bye, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like, oh, How me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The facility college football hall of fame is is amazing. The little bit I was able to look around today, it's uh, really uh, top notch. You can tell they actually put the the effort into it. All right, bud, today Greg Sankey's gonna kick us off the commissioner. We know he's gonna be asked about expansion, realignment, expansion realignment. It's gonna be there's gonna have there's gonna be a dozen guys that are gonna ask try to ask that same question six different ways. What do you think the big message is going to be from the commissioner, the most powerful man in college football?
4: What I want him to do is like to take an SEC cap up there, and have teams names on pieces of paper and put them in the cap. He goes, "Okay, we're going to expand by two teams. I'm gonna pick them out of the cap right now." Go, no, the writer in the first row, you come pick one. Tell me, like, like a <laughs> that'd be awesome. Like national
2: uh, signing I,
4: I think he's gonna say you no. Know, why well, he recognizes the college football landscape is changing. The SEC is happy with the 16 teams. Uh, they don't feel the urge to, uh, I mean, they're happy with 14 teams. They don't feel the, the urge to expand. Uh, uh, they, they're I mean, they going to expand with t- Texas and Oklahoma, so that's as far as we're going to go. They don't feel like at this point there's any need to go any further. And I, I told people, I said, uh, the beauty of the SEC is that In this league, even when they add Texas and Oklahoma, all the teams in this league and their states—all the states—are connected together. Correct. There's other leagues, not so much. You know, Pac-10, all of a sudden the Big Ten, two time zones away. Uh, I think that's. I, I think the SEC likes to stay connected, and I don't think I don't think they feel they feel like they have to expand when they got texas and oklahoma Texas and oklahoma called the sec sec didn't call them correct and they feel like you know we don't feel like the urge to like we're in a competition at this point with the big 10 and see if we can expand more next so i think i think the thing of saying you know, that we're pat we're happy and uh we know the landscape changes I'm not saying we're, it's never going to happen but for right now we're good i mean we're uh we just want to get these two teams in the league before we think about expanding. That's all. I think people was like, man SEC should expand again. They haven't got these other two teams in yet. They haven't Correct. got the, they haven't got to acclimate. It. They haven't had the schedule set up yet. I mean, they got to get these other two teams in on board, but and, and mesh them before they, they bring anybody else in. So I think I don't think if if they SEC expanded quickly, I'd be stunned.
1: Yeah, and look, In first of all, we're not going to know about it either, right, because it's, they're going to have it behind the scenes. It, do I believe Greg Sankey's having conversations with teams from other conferences? Absolutely. There's conversations that are being had behind the scenes. But he's from a position of power, and he's going to be like, okay. It, it, they, it, I never, I'm never going to see a scenario where Greg Sankey's going to get desperate. Nah. I, just, I, just, I, I just don't envision that. And I know – Look, the Big Ten getting USC and UCLA is a big deal. I get that, Spe- specifically USC. UCLA really not, but USC is a big deal. I get it, and, and and it makes a lot of headlines. But if you're the SEC, if you're the SEC, does that does that threaten you? No, I, I don't. I don't believe it does because you know you're still the pre- premier conference for college football, and college football is the engine that drives realignment, the engine that drives the expansion and everything like that for super conferences, it's because of the SEC, not because of the Big Ten, even though the Big Ten is is powerful. We're talking, of course, with Ron Higgins, the award-winning columnist from Tiger Details. He joins us here live on Radio Row from SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame. Let me ask you this. Let's switch gears to Brian Kelly. It's his first media day here for the SEC. We've talked about this a little bit Lots of questions about this team, lots of questions about how good this team could be or is going to be. Well, what do you think his overall message is going to be when he takes the podium a floor below us to later today?
4: Uh, it's probably someone someone told LSU media jokingly. We're going to win every game. And then they say, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's the thing I, like, I kind of like about Brian Kelly, that people don't realize he has a sense of humor. He but he has to explain it to people that like they don't believe he's funny. Uh, he he'll, he'll say something he'll go, I- I'm only joking, you know like they don't look <laughs> like like they, they they just can't understand his straight line Yes. uh, uh I think he'll say you know he he he, he likes what he he's taking over uh, he's had a change of culture some, uh, somewhat i mean obviously he's he's a lot different coach than they had before that, the, that he actually has a plan he doesn't take his shirt off and flex and so uh uh and, and and so and oh baby
1: bay on the bayou Uh
4: and so uh i think it's, it's, he, he likes what he has he likes uh you know he's gonna say I, I you know i it's not my plan every year to to sign 15 transfers right um, but we had to uh we like the you know our recruiting is going well uh and you know whatever you pick us that's fine with me because i think he's uh, in his mind they're not going to be. I, I think. I think the media people are going to pick LSU fourth or fifth in the division. Uh, they they don't believe they're any good. Uh, they, so they, they, Alabama,
1: what A and Alabama,
4: A and M, even Ole Miss. Ole Miss, uh, and uh, then
1: probably uh, LSU's four. Uh,
4: I mean, Arkansas. I mean, p- people. I mean, people. They just they believe the LSU's in the garbage. In the garbage. They they just think. I mean, I've seen stuff where they just like, you know, fifth, sixth. I saw someone pick them sixth. So they, they'll be sixth and six. This team. This team. Uh, will not be six and six. I, I'm thinking this team will be no worse than eight and four, probably nine and three, uh, depending. You know, they get their quarterback settled, uh, right. and uh, if their depth holds up on the line, they'll be fine. And I and I think I think he's going to uh, project an air uh, of confidence. Uh, uh, you know, the, everybody will understand what he's saying because you know, uh, it, I mean, people in Louisiana we we can understand what Ed was saying, but what, nobody else could. <laughs> But we we, we 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 picked him up. Uh, but I, I I think people will be impressed by Brian Kelly. I mean, every time I've dealt with him, I just found him to be a straight shooter. Uh, no no BS on his answers. Uh, you know, which how is, do
1: you feel about? Because this is something you and I talked about. Is Ed Orgeron post title game uh, title season did a poor job of constructing a competent staff. Brian Kelly seems to be, you know, he seems to be more of a taskmaster. He seems to be more involved with all the processes of putting together a staff. How much confidence do you have in the staff being better for, you know, from the coordinators down to the position coaches?
4: I think these guys are proven. I mean, their their coordinators are proven. I mean, uh, I mean – I mean, Denbrock's been with, with, with him before uh, offensively at Notre Dame, so he knows they've been – I think Denbrock was in Brian Kelly's wedding or vice versa. They've known each other forever. Right. So, I mean, they know each other. Uh, I like the staff he put together. He has a, a good mix of guys who've been in the SEC. Sure. Uh, the guys with Louisiana Ties. Uh, and when you start off with Frank Wilson as your first hire uh, out of the gate, you, you kind of get everybody's attention. Uh, I think they've kind of proven in the month of July that with uh, – 10 commitments and a bunch of good people uh, that this staff is like a bunch of piranhas the way they recruit. So I think he's I think he's put together a good staff, uh, probably Ed's staff. He just he just got either he got retreads or got guys with no experience. And, and I don't know, I, I'm thinking maybe maybe in the college football world, they didn't quite believe that an LSU was going to sustain after the national championship year and that they thought this guys going to get fired in a year or two what am i going to be doing you know and so maybe that was one of his problems he couldn't hire anybody really any good for the the coordinator jobs the quarterback coach
1: well the the problem is is that he lost talent and then he tried to rebound but he didn't do his due diligence with the hiring process the year after and then they had the bad year after the national title season and then he tried to fix it, but by that time, it was too late. That's what the, it felt like to me.
4: When, when, when Raymond says he didn't do his due diligence, it means he didn't interview somebody <laughs> before he hired him, which just, is the most outstanding thing I've ever heard come out of a coach's mouth. And, and we, we, we heard – Oh, he, that tiger. He, Hold he, that tiger. he said that on a, on a, a, a teleconference with us yes. at the last question. And everybody went, what? And so right, right then L the guy, the <laughs> moderator goes, I sent up a press conference, thank you. And so – the, at SECB that last yes. year, the first question if yeah. I had the first question Ed, I want to get this straight. Did you not interview the guy? And he, he yeah, I didn't. Know. He not I didn't. Know. I
1: like he was always honest. He
4: was always least, honest. Yeah. You know, I think Ed was always honest because at Ole Miss he wasn't honest. And so, when, but the second time I, took it was, uh, I covered him at Ole Miss when I was in Memphis, and everything, and Ed, everything was not the truth he said. But here cause he was so paranoid. It was his first time as a head coach, he didn't want to let anything out. Right and here he went overboard up with the truth and. Yeah, and so, so, yeah, due diligence means, you know, between lines, I did not interview the guy I hired.
1: I did. I, it was just my favorite thing. I,
2: I, 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 did, I just I, –
1: I said, <laughs> okay, sure. I, re, I, I did a reply all to an email request and hired him that way. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, expectations, we talked about, you said like eight or nine wins. You know, we know we focus on the quarterback battle because we focus on quarterbacks, period, but for me – Their success this year hinges less on consistency from the quarterback position and more if Brian Kelly can fix that offensive line. I know they lose starters from last year's team, but those starters weren't very good. They weren't very good. They weren't a good unit the last two years. Brian Kelly's known for being kind of an O-line guru, especially when he was at Notre Dame. For me, Ron – their success is going to hinge on whether or not that offensive line is just average.
4: Yeah, nothing works if the offensive line doesn't work. And last year, that you're, you're right, uh, they had people back and they weren't very good. Uh, you know, I mean, um, bless his heart. I mean, uh, Shanahan, from the center from Harvard or wherever he was from, uh, you know, his greatest contribution was being LSU's designated spokesman after games and press conferences. But he was, you know, under overmatched. They just they just they, they just didn't block anybody very much last year. They had their moments, seeing you know, them when they, you know, discovered they could run a trap play against Florida, and they went crazy doing that. But otherwise, they, they didn't block anybody. Uh, and you're right; they have to block people, especially if you're going to protect Miles Brennan. You're going to have to block because uh, he doesn't move fast, but he can move. But he, he's going to be patient throwing the ball. Uh, Jade Daniels can move. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. You know, and I thought. I thought in the spring game that appeared to be a problem. The offensive line wasn't tremendous in the spring game. Early no. in that game, they got, they just got a romped. Uh, and it's, I don't know what it says when your best offensive lineman on your team is a freshman, a true freshman. And and he, and he he's gonna be really, really good, but he's still, he's a true freshman. And
1: still, is still waiting for Cardell Thomas to uh, ascend into something.
4: Yeah, he's, uh, I think he was trying to get an NIL deal. I thought somewhere. I don't know for what.
1: I don't know for what. <laughs> know for what. Um, Mad Dog, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you for making it. I know you're a busy man today, especially with it being the opening day of media days, but also, of course, LSU helping kick things off. Um, are you going to squeeze in another cruise between now and the start of the season?
4: No, I'm not because the hurricane season is coming up. Uh, oh, so, the I, but uh, Open weekend. Uh, before Alabama game, we got a cruise squeeze in. Uh, and so I mean, this week's agenda is we're getting a, a new, new puppy to add to our other puppy and, uh, and probably, some, uh, probably some background work this week, some later in the week probably somewhere.
1: There you go. Well, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your drive back home, bud. Be careful. It's so, the Mad Dog, Ron Higgins, joining us here on RP3 and Company Live from Radio Row for the SEC Media Days inside the College Football Hall of Fame we got to take our final time out of today's show. We'll finalize the poll question of the day, and we'll get you set up for Kevin Foote in footnotes. That's all next right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.
0: Want to know what happened today at the circus that is the SEC Media Days in Atlanta? Not to worry. RP3 has you covered. Here is the SEC Media Day's edition of RP3 and Company, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Acadiana Bar and Grill on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. <laughs>
1: oh welcome back to rp3 and company as we wrap up our first show on radio row here for the college football hall of fame for sec media days of course once again want to take a moment to thank our sponsors border lawn furniture with locations in crowley jennings and marksville they for this month for the rest of july they have a power recliner in stock it's going to be a great addition to your man cave you want to watch football in the fall, in comfort, in style. You need to go check out the power recliner they have. It's on sale for this month, only $699. That's right, 699 for the power recliner there. So I want to thank, once again, Bordelon Furniture for serving as our title sponsor for our SEC Media Days Radio Row coverage, as well as Acadiana Bar & Grill for serving as the sponsor for RP3 and Company. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, for helping us launch our coverage here at SEC Media Days. Jeff Palermo, our friend, the sports and news director for the Louisiana Radio Network, and also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. We talked, obviously, thing, all things LSU. I want to thank Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast. First half of the season's in the books. Once again, home run derby is tonight. All-Star game tomorrow. Verlander, Altuve, Alvarez will be out for the All-Star game, but Tucker and Framer Valdez will be taking part in their first All-Star game as competitors. Then the Strohs will get back to action on Thursday, doubleheader against the Yankees, of course. And also, we want to take a moment to thank Ron Higgins, who just joined us here on Radio Row Live in person, the award-winning columnist from Tiger Details. Big shout-out, of course, to producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names for manning the ship back in the game studios there in Upper Lafayette. Couldn't do it without all of her great work, even though... Her fandom for the Seattle Mariners interferes from time to time. Yes, we know, 14 in a row, 14 in a row, 14 in a row. It's something to be proud of, five names, but 14 in a row. (laughs) Poll question of the day. We asked you, and we wanted to hear from you with our poll question of the day. We want to know, what is more likely to happen to RP3 and Miguez in Atlanta? 38% of you say lose hotel keys, 34% say sleep deprivation, 15% say other, 13% say have your car booted. We should have had an option, eat at the Waffle House across the way. That will more than likely, definitely will happen sometime in the next four days. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parcher third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow live from Radio Row here at SEC Media Day, 6 to 9 your time. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.